You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Uh, we're undefeated, and the season is 20% over. Yeah, it's pretty. that's pretty crazy to think about. But what's not crazy to think about is you're going out and buying some Built Bars, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R. And, man, why, do, why is that such a problem spelling Built? I don't know. But BuiltBar.com is where you want to go. Absolutely delicious. We'll talk about them a little bit more later on in the show. Uh, but, Jimmy, really nice big win. Uh, over Texas A&M yesterday, 52-24, to 24, yet uh, the, the streak for Alabama scoring over 30 points and extending the record of SEC teams doing that is still on. I think it's up to 15 games now. It's either – yeah, I think it's to 15 games now. So <clears throat> that's 15 games in a row we've scored at least 30 points. That's pretty remarkable. Um, lots to discuss, lots to go over. It'll take a week's worth of podcasting to do that. But before um, I do that, I want to just talk a little bit about the atmosphere because I went to the game. I got some last second. uh, I got a last second box seat. I was very fortunate. And um, it was kind of awesome. I mean, not just because of the box. I've been to a box a bunch of times. But because I got to – we left Birmingham about 12-ish, got to uh, mug shots and had lunch, walked right in, no crowd, parked easily, Sat down, got our food and drinks quickly. Um, then we got done with that. And then um, we went and parked, I mean, relatively close to the stadium. I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe a, at most a, a fifth of a mile from the stadium. Um, and then walked right up to the, the box section. And, yes, it was a little weird, and the the entire game kind of felt like it was always 90 minutes before kickoff, you know, when you look out (laughs) among the stand. But um, I could sort of get used to that with the – and because I got home, like, as soon as the game was over, we stayed till the end. And soon we we walked to the strip, met a friend of ours with the car, and we were out of there, and I was back almost in time for the Auburn kickoff. Um, It was was pretty crazy – and especially when you contrast it to the crowd that was at the Georgia Auburn game, which if that was 20,000 people, either Georgia people don't know how to count or we don't know how to count because we supposedly had 20,000 and I didn't think it was 20,000. Georgia said they had 20,000 and it looked like 50,000. Yeah. Some angles of the Georgia crowd. It's, it's impossible to, to think that there was just, you know, 20,000, who knows? I don't know. I'm not claiming, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not claiming shenanigans and I don't really care too much. No, no, I don't uh, care. I do not care. That's fine. And I think it's fine that the different stadiums could do it different ways. I'm just saying it was just surreal that we were both supposed to have or supposedly going to have around 20,000 and it didn't look like we did. And it looked like they had double that. Did you feel it, it? Did you feel like it looked like most people in the stadium were, was taking the COVID situation seriously in terms of keeping on their mask, staying distance, not complaining, not taking off the mask, and then sitting where they're not supposed to sit? I mean, uh, did you feel it was kind of a 
COVID compliant atmosphere from inside the stadium? Yes, although I will say um, the uh, the in the box and and in the stadium, I didn't notice anybody in the stadium wearing masks. Like in the in the the boxes are half full too. By the way, um, right. and I didn't notice anybody with a mask on. But again, I I kind of get that. I mean, if we're gonna do it, you can't expect everybody to wear a mask all the time. It's just impossible. I mean, people are eating and drinking and and talking, and it's just not going to happen. And, and I'm not going to go off on a rant on this, but I saw, I guess, one of the editors for the Crimson and White tweet something about how um, students weren't taking it as seriously as they should have or yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I, I, hey, look, I know she's just doing her job, quote unquote, but I mean, let, give it a break, sister. Let's, I mean, if we're going to have games and you're going to have some people there, there is going to be a modicum of risk that we all got to assume. And that's just it. If you don't want to go to the game, don't go to the game. That's it. Um, that we, we are, they are being as careful as they can while allowing, allowing people in there. And let's let's just not kick that hornet's nest. I mean, I, I just think that's kind of silly. But anyway, that, I digress because the real story is one Mac Heisman front runner Jones. <laughs> now, I, yeah, he, I mean, if he keeps Heisman playing like this, runner, he's in the discussion. Yeah, if he keeps playing, if he keeps playing like this, uh, and and I'm I'm certainly going to be surprised if he doesn't, because I don't think he's just a good player playing great. I think he's a great player uh, who's going to play like this every week. But if he keeps playing like this, putting up those crazy numbers, there's no reason to think he won't be in the thick of things. Uh, though he might have to beat out his own teammate Jalen Waddle, who 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 has a little Heisman momentum himself, uh, which is interesting. But uh. Yeah, right now it's very, very early going, but uh, several impressive quarterback performances throughout the league. Uh, you know, uh, Cal Trask was good again. Um, I'll tell you who's really good is Matt Corral. Uh, Lane Kiffin has done his normal, excellent job coaching up his quarterback. Uh, KJ Costello struggled after uh, looking so sharp a week ago. But I tell you, Mac Jones, uh, he's, as, he's as good as anybody. I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, about midseason or late season what the NFL thinks about him. And, and I think you're right about that. And also, um, it's going to be interesting, and we'll discuss this more at length later on in the week, but what will the game plan be for Alabama against Ole Miss? Because it feels like Ole Miss just gives up a bushel of points. But I think conventional wisdom says you want to get those if you're going to get yards anywhere you can, it's probably better to get them running so that you can sort of have a control of the clock and, and assert dominance or whatever. Um, but so I, I wonder if it's going to be Najee and Brian Robinson having much bigger days than they did this past week, or will it be Matt, the Mac Jones show with the three amigos and, and Waddle and Devonte Smith and now John Mechie. And I think that's something uh, to talk about is is the third down and eight play, the first touchdown on Alabama's first drive, where uh, Mac Jones just heaves one. I mean, that I said it in the box before it happened. I was like, you know, the thing about us getting in third and eight is we Sarkeesian may say, you know what, just uncork it. Let's see what happens. We got a bunch of thoroughbreds out there. See if one of them can run under it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And um, to have Mechie score i think that's his first career touchdown is it not correct it, it, it was to me i mean in terms of right when he scored i'm like oh, i think that that's got to be much first touchdown so what a confidence boost that is uh to have 
your first career touchdown come in a game like that, uh, first score, CBS, 78-yarder. Uh, I mean, it, it was pretty doggone impressive. Um, and then, of course, he got another touchdown late in the game, which I absolutely loved. There's no doubt in my mind old Alabama would have run the ball, you know, and then punted, you know, had gotten to fourth down and punted. And we decided, okay, we're going to – we're just going to try it again because they're probably going to give us a lot of space – so let's do it. I think that's the game now. That's what you have to do. And and while clock the 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 clock is probably more important than the actual score in that moment, when you when you know you're going to get seven points, it it's probably better to have the score. So um, I think that that was that was a good move. And I like Sarkeesian taking a gamble right there. Although Gene Stallings, it, I know he's not passed away yet. He is. Uh, preemptively spinning in his grave just watching that. <laughs> and I think you answered your own question about the game plan against Ole Miss. Uh, I think this is just who we are. I think that Alabama's got to improve on the run game as a whole, both the backs and the offensive line and tight ends. Just the run game as a whole needs some work. And I'm sure during the practice week, that's going to be a huge point of emphasis because Alabama has to get better there. But while Alabama's getting better there, they still have to win the games. And Alabama's route to winning games, particularly track meets, is score, score, keep on scoring. And just and, and, and right now, if I'm Alabama, I'm thinking, well, I like our chances against Ole Miss. And I certainly like our chances to score. I, and, and I don't think Alabama's going to hesitate to score a lot of points against Lane and Ole Miss. And uh, I, I think Alabama's going to chunk it around quite a bit and and they'll put up numbers against a uh, highly questionable Ole Miss defense. Well, Alabama has a team that can certainly get up and go, and if you need to get up and go, you need to go visit Built Bar Go. That's a new – it's actually BuiltGo.com, BuiltGo.com, B-U-I-L-T-G-O.com. Use the promo code LOCKED when you go there. Um, It'll break you through that – that fatigue wall, whether it's a mental or a physical fatigue wall, uh, you'll break right through it with Built Go if you take it every day. Easy to take, one and a half ounce packages. Uh, put it in your briefcase, put it in your golf bag, you know, put it in your backpack before you go to the gym, whatever. Um, it's the best workout gel on the market. They sent us some of it. I've tasted it. It's delicious. It really does help you get through the day. It's like um, five-hour energy without the crash. And believe me, I've done five-hour energy before. I've had to uh, because I'm the kind of guy that likes to go to bed at 7 o'clock at night. So I do have to take those occasionally. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, which is awesome, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Check out BuiltGo.com. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. It's perfect for those who like to work out a lot. And then when you get a little fatigued, you need just a little extra oomph. This is what you want. BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. Hey, everybody. Again, uh, Jimmy had some major Wi-Fi problems, so I'm just going to finish this pot out by myself this morning. Hope that's okay with everybody. If it's not okay with everybody, it should be a real easy fix. I mean, you just turn it off. But uh, I don't want you to do that either. I want you to listen to this podcast then go by a shitload of built bars. I hope that's what you do. Um, yeah, Jimmy does have some Wi-Fi problems. I don't know how long y'all have listened to this podcast, but it, it was actually kind of funny. Yesterday, as he was beginning to break up constantly, I said, Jimmy, 
here's what I want you to do. Uh, you're on the phone, right? He said, yeah, I'm doing this on the phone. I said, oh, well, cut your Wi-Fi off. And he said, okay, give me a second. So he, he said, I cut my Wi-Fi off. Talk. And I said, good. Okay, now maybe it'll just be coming through the cell, and maybe we can continue to do this. He said, but, you know, I don't even have Wi-Fi at the house. So why would you not tell me that before or right after I told you to cut it off and say it's not necessary to cut it off because if you don't have Wi-Fi, you're not really cutting off anything. If it's not there, it's a good question. If you have don't have Wi-Fi in a forest and you cut it off, is it still not there? Uh, in, this is Jimmy's technical expertise. That's that describes it to a T. So I'm just going to finish this podcast up on myself today. Um, so anyway, hope that's cool with everybody. The one thing I was going to ask Jimmy, and I'm, I'm I mean this in a rhetorical way, and I guess it's rhetorical by nature since it's just me talking to y'all and y'all literally can't talk back to me. Um, is Jalen Waddle the best player in the country? And I think it's a very fair question. Is Jalen Waddle the best player in the country? I'm going to say yes. After two games, yes. I think he is. I don't think that's necessarily going to mean that he wins the Heisman Trophy, but who else does what he does? I mean, the one play that he had with Mac Jones, the 87-yard touchdown, that's Jalen Waddell. That's what he does. The The whole play, not just the catching it and then switching gears. As soon as he caught the ball, that's what was great about it, though. As soon as he caught the ball and he turned around, he he put it into another gear. There was somebody coming at him full blast, and and Jalen took it up one more notch, and the guy could barely touch his feet. He had a literal head start in in getting his momentum going. The defender did, but Jalen just kicked it into high gear and he was out of there. It, it was crazy. But even before that, the the real beauty of the play was the crispness of Jalen Waddle's route. That's what sold it. Uh, it was second and 22. Alabama had three penalties, I think, already in that drive. And they looked rather lackadaisical. They had come out and gone three and out on a – he had missed Jalen Waddle on a long touchdown pass uh, in the first drive of the second half. Then Texas A&M, Texas A&M comes down and kicks the field goal. Um, and, and it's second and 22. You're feeling like, ah, oh, Alabama's just going to sleepwalk through this for a minute because that's only 35-17, um, and we don't need to do that because Texas A&M can make this a game with another touchdown if they get the stop. And on second and 22, on your opponent's 13, if you're Texas A&M, you're like, hey, I feel like we're going we're gonna to get a stop here. And it just seems like every time we need a big play, Sarkeesian dials up with, you know, just, just uncork it, just throw it down to any one of the badasses we have and let's, let the rough end drag. And um, that's what we did this time, and it just happened to be Waddle. But I don't think if you had thrown that pass to Waddle, I mean, excuse me, to Mechie or to Devontae Smith, I'm not sure either one of those two would have scored. I'm not saying those guys aren't fast, but there's fast, and then there's Jalen Waddle. And if you listened to, I want to say it was college game day earlier in the day, that Reese Davis made a great point, that in the first 10 meters, and, you know, I'm not European. I don't know exactly how long a meter is. I'm, I'm, it's, it's five. It's whatever it is. Ten meters. Okay. 
it, it, it's a little longer than 10 yards, I think. He's faster than Usain Bolt. Now, that's that may not be saying a ton to most everybody, but I think that is very telling. I'm not saying Jalen Waddle is faster than Usain Bolt. He's not, um, especially over a longer distance. But it's that first initial burst that he is apparently faster than Usain Bolt. And it struck me watching the Auburn-Georgia game with Anthony Schwartz because Auburn fans love them some Anthony Schwartz and how fast he is and he's the flash and he's this and he's that. And he is. He's, he's incredibly fast. There's no denying it. probably is the fastest player in college football, Anthony Schwartz. But there were also a couple of deep balls that were thrown to him against Georgia. And on one of them, he did get alligator arms. And he got it. And so I thought to myself, it doesn't matter how fast you are, if you also don't have the football awareness and and the football toughness to go up and catch the, the really hard catches like Waddle did against Missouri. You've got to you've got to have that killer mentality. And, and I think, you know, just straight line speed is great and everybody falls in love with forty times. But in the end if you don't have the the uh, intestinal fortitude to go up against a couple of defensive backs knowing you're going to get walloped and make the catch, what what good does your speed do? I mean, it may keep people honest for a little bit, but, you know, when I think about Anthony Schwartz and catches, they're all bubble screens that he turns into long plays or, or really short passes that he turns into long plays. Um, when I think of Jalen Wobbling catches, he's going down the field making literal moves, making running routes, not not just a post, not just a fly pattern. He's running routes. We're talking routes, man. And that's what I think sets Jalen Waddle apart, is he doesn't have exactly Anthony Schwartz speed. He's close enough. He's close enough on a football field, especially. I mean, he's not trying to, you know, he's not trying to set the world record in Milan. He's trying to outrun you about 60 to 75 yards. And I would put my money on Jalen Waddle doing that against anybody on a football field. Um, and, again, I go back to the question, is Jalen Waddle right now the best player in college football? I can't think of somebody who's better. I can tell you that he is certainly behind in the Heisman race when it comes to somebody like a Trevor Lawrence or um, maybe even a Matt Jones or a Kyle Trask or, for that matter, weirdly, maybe a Justin Fields. But in my humble opinion, Jalen Waddle is the best player in the country, and he should get a lot more discussion. Mechie had the bigger day, two long touchdowns, um, more yards. But Jalen Waddle is second in the SEC in yards right now, and he's also not been put to very much. He did field one punt this past weekend. I think he turned it for about 11 yards. But um, anyway, that's my, my whole rant, Jimmy-less rant right now. So I'm going to go ahead and take a break. When I come back, I'll wrap the show up. All right, everybody, I'll keep this last uh, segment a little short because, really, I don't want to steal any of Jimmy's thunder for actual game analysis. Uh, not that I, I don't, that's so stupid. I, I just don't want to step on his toes for this because I know you guys, for the most part, enjoy Jimmy's analysis. He's really good at that stuff. I mean, I make fun of him a lot, but he's he knows his stuff. Um, instead, what I think I'm going to do is just talk about how awesome it is to get J.D. Davison to commit to Alabama 
during a football game like that. And if memory serves, it was J.D. Davison committing to Alabama, and eight to ten seconds later, Jalen Waddle's big play happened. The 87-yard touchdown happened. Like that was, you know, in real time, those two things went down. And that was very cool because uh, I remember everybody was checking their phones. Uh, I was very fortunate to get a skybox seat. And um, everybody was checking their phones about J.D. Davison, and then we kind of look up and, oh, crap, we got another penalty. Oh, hell yeah, J.D. Davison commits. Oh, shit, there goes Jalen Waddle. I mean, it was a great segment, a great uh, little 10-second period for for all Alabama fans there. Um, J.D. Davison brings so much to the table. I know some people think he may go to the G League. I, I have no clue about that. He may go to the G League. He may not go to the G League. I, I don't know. I feel very confident he will stay with Alabama. He loves uh, this staff. He also tweeted out yesterday that Alabama fans, we're not finished. And if you know anything about recruiting, when a recruit that you already have says that, that means they feel like they're going to get some other recruits. Um, there's uh, Charles Badeco, I believe is how you say it, is another one that's certainly on Alabama's not just on Alabama's radar. I mean, they're in Alabama. He's in Alabama's sights. Another five star. That would be fantastic. And um, I think this staff, this NATO staff, has just got things rolling, and he knows what he's doing. Now, the the key is going to be making sure we keep him. Um, this feels different than Colin Sexton's recruitment. If you all remember, Colin Sexton, uh, Alabama, Avery Johnson <clears throat> had a um, good relationship with him before he blew up on the recruiting circuit. So I think Alabama was able to keep him in the fold because – Alabama had established, like, you're our guy from day one. Um, had Alabama just entered the picture the way they entered the picture with J.D. Davison, I, I don't think they would have gotten Colin Sexton. Also, it feels like Colin, Colin Sexton was 100% using whatever college he went to as a means to an end. He, he wanted to go to college, and, yeah, I think Colin Sexton enjoyed his time in Alabama. There's no doubt. He had a good time, had fun, probably come back to some games. Do I think he's too full of Bama? No, I, I don't. Um, I think Davison might have some Alabama fan in him, which I think we will all appreciate. And um, he is incredibly exciting. I, I, if it, none of you guys, if any of you guys, I should say, have not seen his um, highlight tape on YouTube, it's, it's worth a look. He is, is a lot of fun to watch. His vertical has got to be in the low 40s at least. He can really sky. He can. He is aggressive. He can shoot. Um, he's got the Bama hair. He's, he's got perfect Alabama hair. I mean, it's just we we need funky hairs dudes on our team, and he's got that. So welcome aboard. Um, just love him. Just think it's a great pickup, um, and I don't think it's over. That was another thing with Colin Sexton to me. I felt like. Avery Johnson got Colin Sexton, and everybody said, you know, woohoo, we got him, and then we just all sort of moved on and didn't think there would be others coming that way. I don't – I feel like J.D. Davison is the first of many, whereas I felt Colin Sexton was sort of a dinosaur we, we wrestled and, you know, you may, or a unicorn we lassoed, and, okay, it's kind of hard to find unicorns. I feel like now we are, you know, in a unicorn – we live next door to a unicorn farm, and, and – we got a guy who knows how to farm unicorns and how to, how to raise them, how to rear a unicorn. There's got to be a better way to say that, but that's what I'm going with. He, he, you know, rearing unicorns is it, it may be more fun than it sounds. I don't know. They're magical, and um, 
not not real, imaginary. So maybe uh, you can make it what you want to, however you want to go with that. Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Locked on Bama. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hey, our listenership went way up last week. We get a report each week, and I can't thank you guys enough. Please listen. Please share. Uh, write us tweets. Let us know what you want. I'll give you Jimmy's cell phone number and his address if you have a problem with him. Uh, I'll give you my fake address if you also want to send me something. If you have something real you want to send me, I will give you uh, a neutral address that I can pick it up at. I'm not letting any of you weirdos have my real home life. Um, Anyway, that's going to do it. Uh, Jimmy will be back with me on Tuesday, guys, so uh, bear with me. Appreciate you hanging in with me on this uh, solo version of Locked on Bama. And roll tide, everybody.